Hey, this is 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela, long time no listen uh, or long time no post. One of those things. Uh, bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. Uh, mostly because my guest today, Mr. Joe Dosh, told me to. Uh, he wanted to do the podcast and I was like, fuck yeah, we're doing that. Uh, such a cool interview. Uh, another long one. Uh, you can uh, check me out on the, uh, the the Twitters and the Facebooks. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Anna V is fun. That's Anna with two N's. Um, and then, of course, Anna Valenzuela on Facebook or 12 Questions. Yeah, also, 12Q Pod on uh, Twitter. Yeah, all of that. Uh, also, uh, the guest today, Mr. Joe Dosh, he is part of an incredible podcast called The Mean Boys Podcast. You should totally listen to it. Um, also, former guest Keith Carey is on that as well. So it's a really, it's a fun time. It's a fun interview. I'm really happy he reminded me I need to be of service in this way. So, uh, yeah, let's do this. But, uh, yeah, this is so cool that we're yeah. sitting down. Yeah. This is amazing, Joe Dosh. I am. Amazing. I, can I tell you, I have such a comedy crush on you. Thank you. I really do. You're one What's of my heroes. a comedy heroes. crush? <laughs> in that, like, um, when I see you work, when I see you do things, I respect what you do. When I've seen you Aww. do sets, I'm like, oh. Because I feel like, because I'm starting later in life, I feel mm-hmm. like I have to really run as fast as I can to catch up to everybody. And you're one of those people where I'm like, oh, I don't know if that'll ever happen, Aww. but I, I certainly put that as a benchmark. That really means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Oh, also, I would not feel uh, inadequate about starting later in life. It means you're like an adult with things to say. So That I mean, was what Guy Branham told me yeah, once. Yeah, well. And I was like, "Oh, that's so sweet." Yeah, of you. I mean, I mean, the downside is, of course, that you're no longer young and beautiful, and there are, you know, I totally expected. Like, if you would have laughed like a like a quarter of a second earlier, I'd have felt way better about myself than I do right now for making that joke. There was a very fine there was a very fine window of tact for that, and I really blew it. I think. Oh no, you! You said like the nicest thing to me. (laughs) You know, I know who we 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 have all these mutual friends. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Keiths, the Connors. You know, I could take a punch. Yeah, but you're a civilian. You're not. You're not a mean girl. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how uh, some of the mean boys like some of those ideas Mm -hmm. were born in my car? Really. Uh, Toby Gunderson what for kind, sure was what, born in my car. What kind of awful demon womb is your automobile that you putz around the city in for eight hours of your life a day? It's it's the kind that can tolerate Keith Carey for so long. Oh god, the, the, the poor thing suspension. Anyway, <laughs> we did a road. Car- <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, "There's a lot of man up in this car right oh now." Oh my god, your car suspension must be like just like an overbred bulldog trying to get up some stairs. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> uh, that that brings that brings the mean boys to twelve yeah. questions. I fucking love it. That's amazing. So okay, so I've known you kind of mm-hmm. in comedy, sort of per- peripherally. You're yeah. like you're you know you're. I know we have friends of friends, mm-hmm. and then um, come to find out we have more friends of friends and mm-hmm. in, in recovery in it. It's been so nice to, I haven't really gotten a chance to kind of watch your journey close up. Like I have other friends that have 
had this sort of weird phenomenon of showing up to comedy with mm-hmm. some time under my belt and people asking questions. And then it seemed like sobriety became contagious. Right. Right. Um, and so like what, what, what did surrender look like for you? Um, and what does it continue to look like? Well, it's, it's funny that you say you didn't really see my progress. Cause I, th- I shocked a lot of people in my life by saying I was an alcoholic. I did. I was very, very good at hiding it. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, this is why I don't, I don't like to drunk a log at meetings. Cause like the actual like act of me drinking is a very boring story. It's a very much like me sitting in this room or currently in and just drinking alone and being sad. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lot of, you know, I did a lot of that. Yeah. 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 Um, but it <clears throat> surrender to me, I guess what, what I guess. Okay. First of all, I, I characterize this disease, my disease of alcoholism as it's like another character in my mind who shares my brain and yeah. it likes what it, um, what it does is I just, I thought my, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite lines in some of the literature was uh, I forget um, I forget the exact quote, but it's, uh, it talks about um, you know we believe we can control everything. We have this innate belief that we can control everything, and if you ask your rational mind, you're like, well, no, I don't control everything, but like you do kind of think like. Like, okay, if I look at, like, all the raw data of my life, there is some way I can, like, alchemically manipulate and put everything into place, and that will turn into everything I want. Right. Outcomes. You We're know. so interested yeah. in outcomes. Yeah. Um, there's some line in in the book that uh, talks about, can we not, are we not under the delusion that we can wrest satisfaction from this life if only we manage well? And that just hit me like a bullet. Um, and it just, what it really was to me was just when I finally admitted, like, okay, I'm powerless over this disease. When someone really explained to me what the disease was, that it's not like that really the using and the drinking, that's really an after, that's a symptom of the disease. That's how it manifests. But it right. really is your disease is like, it's like you have a bad operating system for your head. Yeah. You have, and you know, if you have a computer with a bad operating system, you can't fix it with the same operating system. If my, you know, if I have a shitty window, if I have a shitty version of um, Mac OS X on my computer, mm-hmm. I can't just tinker around and make Mac OS X better. Right. I need some. I need a patch to come in. I need right. an update from outside. Right. And that's what uh, the first step is for me. And um, and it was amazing. And I remember I just said like, okay, like my brain is broken. I can't just. Like I, okay, I told the, I'm kind of all over the place, but I told the Please be all over the place. I told the therapist once, um, I have all this negative self-talk and my brain is telling me, Joe, you're worthless. Joe, you're stupid. Joe, you're a piece of shit. And then she would say, well, no, Joe, that's crazy because of X, because of Y, because of Z. And it's like, I understand you're making sense, but I can't outsmart myself because this thing that's talking to me, it's armed with the same brain I am. Like, yeah. I can't outsmart my own head. I can't be taller than my own height. So when I just said, like, okay, I can't, I, I can't do this then. I can't beat this thing on my own then. And mm. that's what surrender really was. And it was amazing. Like, once I conceded that, it's like dominoes just fall, started falling down. Right. Like, well, if I'm powerless over that, I am powerless over most of my career. I'm powerless whether other people like me. I'm powerless whether, you know, just, just everything. You know, like, when, and when you do get down to it, like, what we're powerless over in life compared to what we control is pretty laughably tiny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think and some people like people on the outside or mm-hmm. my favorite people who probably qualify but are super afraid and don't kind of mm-hmm. jump in the pool. I think 
a lot of that is there's a misconception that that is weakness yeah. like like admitting powerlessness is weakness but it's such a beautiful place it's like the, the admitting like surrendering to vulnerability yeah. like i'm going to be vulnerable i'm going to be me and in doing so there's a tremendous power in that oh yeah because then we don't have to like worry it's not an issue of well i'm not where i should be in whatever my career is mm -hmm. in and therefore i'm broken and bad and nobody loves me yeah it's just like you know what it is what it is it, i hate that saying but it's the same. It's you like know? if someone could tell me, like, Joe, what if you could imagine a world where you don't have, where, what if you had to give a shit about 5% of what if you give a shit about, <laughs> and that would make your life just empirically better? I'd be like, sign me the fuck up. That sounds amazing. What were the really silly things you used to kind of focus on? Um, just basically career. Okay. Um, that's kind of like my big um, thing in life. Like, like, um, roast battle was kind of a, roast battle was a big trigger for me for a long time. I was under the impression where I was, because not only is it just like, I'm like emotionally high strung. Oh, it's insane. I got it into my head where I'm like, okay, there is some way to turn roast battle into whatever I want. Like, this is like the alchemical gold somehow. And I can turn the, I can turn this into everything I want in my career. I can turn this to everything I want in life. Like I can earn my I'm okay badge from the universe through this show somehow. And if I can't do it, it's cause I'm an idiot and I can't manage well. Why right. can't you figure this out? I remember I told someone right before I got sober, I feel like my life is like trying to solve a Rubik's cube made out of razor blades. Oh, that's see. You're so smart. This hey, is what, thank you, this is what, <laughs> so insightful and perfect and brutal and that's exactly what it feels like Thanks, oh my god yeah <laughs> that shit's dark i'm it's edgy a, i'm edgy yeah. <laughs> take that mormon town in montana yeah. oh please don't don't you go calling montana utah them's them's, them's fighting words toots. i still love montana <laughs> no that's wonderful that's great yeah. but yeah that's that's roast battle for me mm -hmm. there was a moment before i did my first one Mm -hmm. where I called my sponsor hysterically crying about mm -hmm. a week out and she said baby you got to promise me you will never do this again because mm -hmm. it really it brought me <laughs> and I've done I'm, I'm gonna do my fifth and sixth mm -hmm. one in August so yeah. it's like it brought me to this place of because it is I call it the heroine of stand-up mm -hmm. because it's high risk high reward nothing feels like it in the whole wide world yeah. And sort of like riding a roller coaster and telling jokes at the same time, maybe yeah. with an audience. It's very odd. But then there's this, you have to really know yourself mm -hmm. and you have to know how dark and mean you can get. Yeah. And for me, wrestling with that was really tough because it made me question my identity of my people pleasing. It made me fight mm -hmm. with a defect where I was like, but everyone likes me and I'm nice. And it's yeah. like, no, I've signed up to call this person a methy, gross, fat I knew whore. the risks when I put on the uniform. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh no, they're going to see that I'm not always nice. Yeah. It's like, no, bitch. They see that. You're a human. Right, right. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, do you ever see the movie Inside Out? I haven't. I'm like the last person in the world okay. to not see that I think movie. I think the people who made that film, they need, like, they need, they should win, like, a like a Nobel Prize for, like, a big conceit of that film is that sometimes super positive people are dicks. Oh, Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's a very, it's very easy to, like, be an asshole with kindness. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? So, like... 
like you just said, like owning your own darkness. Like when people like whether it when whether you're like people who are really superficially nice all the time, and they're like, oh, I don't have any darkness. I'm nice all the time. Or like people who convey this like I'm perfect kind of vibe. It's just like what what are you fucking hiding? Right. Like who are you fooling? Right. You know. Right. And that's actually one of the ways that one of my favorite sort of joke styles mm-hmm. that you do is this kind, sweet, cunty compliment. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the most <laughs> beautiful thing because sometimes I act like, like I'll, and it's not that I'm being fake. It's just that mm-hmm. like I'm awkward and right. you know, I'm just trying to be nice and I'll say something and people will be like, well, fuck you. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't, that was real. Like yeah. that just, it just came out in cunt voice. Cause I have a deep voice. Oh, I got, I get, I have, I have resting cunt voice. I, <laughs> I, High five. Yeah, yeah. I, I have really, I, people tell me all the time they can't tell when I'm being like sarcastic or not, which just yeah. is like, I don't know. I have a very like dry, like sense of humor. I love like Fred Willard kind of things, you know? And it's so like, I, like I get it but like a lot of people do think like like uh, people ask me are you making fun of me all the time and I'm like no I really did I really did mean that because <laughs> I can yeah. be because I can be really like saccharinely like hallmark like sweet on things too and like people don't believe me when I am <laughs> like I like Connor gives me shit all the time my friend Connor McSpadden like because like if I see puppies I just melt and like he like didn't think like he just thought it was bullshit for the longest time. I'm like, no, I really do. Like the other day I saw a little puppy who had like little puppy tennis shoes oh. and I was walking with Leah K. Janian and I just like gushed and went crazy. And Leah just looked at me like what fucking pod person took Joe Dosh's place just now. It's like, oh, that's no, beautiful. He's, got, he's got puppy shoes. Oh, now that I know that I'm going to message you so many puppy Please. pictures because that's. Oh, that's the best. Can I can I add another uh, thing about being powerless that I find sure. tremendously relevant? And since we're both comics, you know what I tell myself? Um, this is a big, big thing I learned in like first 30 days. Uh, as it happened, I was working a gig where like audiences are kind of tight. It's not the greatest gig in the world. Mm-hmm. It was decent money. It's in, eh, fuck it, I'll say it. It's in Tahoe. Uh, nice. People that people there are older. I I'm grew not, up near there. It's I'm weird not, there. I'm not really their type. No. So, you know. Yeah. But I told myself once, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm pow- among all the things I'm powerless, I am powerless whether any audience laughs at me ever. Yes. Ever. Absolutely. I really am. I say that mm-hmm. before I go on stage every single time. Every single time. Because, like, you know what? Like I, like, I can go up and be funny. I can go up and do good comedy. But, like, whether they laugh or not is on them. Like, laughter is a thing that is when an electrical single goes through your brain to your lungs and makes noise come out of them. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't... Um, I didn't design their sense of humor. I didn't put them in the mood that day. And it's just like, oh, wow, that's another thing I'm powerless over. Like, I am free up here. Yeah. You know, and by God, if things don't work better, you know. I do this little journal in the morning where I um, I, I ask God, uh, help me to experience your will and mm-hmm. give me the power to carry that out. Yeah. And if I forget to do it, I always do it right on right before I go on stage because that's I really see comedy as a form of being of service. Yeah. Because that's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. Like it brought me out of a dark hole. There, there's a great uh, clip on YouTube of Don Rickles at Just for Laughs, I think in 2014. And he's, he comes out and he and he like can't walk. He's like in a chair. He oh. He's like 88 or oh. something. And he just kind of does this thing like he just busts people's balls. And then he sings a song called I'll Give You Laughter for Love. And he cries up at, cries at the end. <gasps> And it's so beautiful because the first time I saw it, I was really in this space where I just thought comedy was this 
this really selfish thing. Like, what am I doing up there? Just getting up and just soaking up like fucking laughter from people, just taking it from people. But it really did make me feel like, no, 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 no. I am doing a good, like it is, it is an act of service. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't want to receive it. Sometimes I think we did, we were both on a show in um, Santa Ana that uh, gay bar in Santa Ana. Oh, yeah. And they are a very tight crowd, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I just watched you go up there and do your thing. Like, fucking, you either get on board or you don't. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess I, I have theories about gay audiences that I guess are maybe not relevant to recovery, so I don't need to talk about We can about get them. into it. I got time. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my theory about uh, gay stand-up crowds is until, like, if you're maybe, I'm 29, if you're maybe, like, eight years older than me you grew up in a time when just your existence was the most edgy mind-blowing like thing that most people could ever comprehend in their lives right so these people got it drilled in their heads usually violently if not just culturally Mm. that they are this weird anomaly on the way peripheral idea of anyone's existence and so Anything kind of beyond that, anything kind of just beyond like the gay through line, they think like, well, that's just crazy. That's just not like they're not like that's how far their kind of minds usually go. Oh, so they won't sort of push the they won't. So anything kind of beyond just like, okay, here's what gay culture thinks. We are all our minds are running, you know, LGBT, whatever version 2016 anything kind of beyond that through line like they're conditioned to think like well this is just too crazy this is just too edgy do you know what i'm saying and it's sort of like i get that and i have empathy for it but like one times of change i mean like things kind of did change pretty abruptly yeah with gay people stuff also like if that's your idea of edgy you're living your idea like you're living your life by dumb people's standards and i don't want to live by dumb people's standards right and a lot you know what frankly like it's basically like a privilege of time that i'm able to even say that so well not just that have you ever have you ever wanted to say like yo you fought for my ability to say this thing i'm saying up here Mm -hmm. so let's just enjoy the fact that i can do that now i think (laughs) i think moving on from the past is equally as important as remembering it totally Mm -hmm. totally Oh, that was, that was nice, um, also nice booze and drugs and recovery. Booze, booze it's and drugs it's and relevant now. <laughs> I wanted to, um, about the roast battle thing mm-hmm. too. I wanted to kind of, you know, I see people do that a lot mm-hmm. where they're like, I have to, I, one of the things as I, I can intellectualize it and I've definitely had moments where I have feelings where either something in comedy mm-hmm. owes me something. And the first thing I try to tell myself, or the first thing I really, I verbalize it to somebody and it's always followed by no one owes me shit. Yep. Nobody Mm -hmm. owes me shit. My job is to just work hard and be undeniable. And the beauty of roast battles, we all get to take part in it. Mm -hmm. But I do see, it's like, I see the, the hope in people. And sometimes it's like, we can't measure ourselves by the inclusion or exclusion of, of that. Yeah. Show it seems like cuz there does cuz it's it's growing it's an entity. It seems like a mafia at this point. It seems more like a like an or an organization that works mysteriously at times. It's a great show and I'm yeah. so happy for the success of it. Yeah, and it's just like a lot I mean a lot of people like I had to distance myself from it because a lot of people thought about that show alcoholically. I would describe yes. it. It's like, "Oh, I can all, if all I can uh, if I can wrest satisfaction out of this if only if I manage I well." No, no you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing about like controlling outcomes. Like, I don't, 
I truly, I, I don't give a fuck if I ever win any of those anymore. I just want to have fun. I don't care. Yeah. Nobody really cares. The only, you know, just fucking dorks care. <laughs> Super dorks. dorks Anna. Super dorks. The after, the Dweebs. after, the after battle hangs and yeah. norms where we're talking very seriously yeah, about yeah, the rankings, yeah. like those things. Oh, it's like fucking those, <laughs> those, the rankings and who wins. They do not. They make the show worse, not better in really? my opinion. Okay. I mean, cause like, I don't, I'm mean, like, I do, I do, in my opinion, like I'm just going to get up there and I'm just going to make you people laugh. If I try yeah. to, it's like when I, it's like what I said about I am powerless over any audience laughs. I'm really powerless over I win. I don't yeah. make the mm-hmm. judgment. I don't control what this guy's going to say. I can only just do my goddamn best and be like, look, outcome, yeah. who wins or whatever, out of my hands. Whether any of you laugh is out of my hands. Exactly. And that's how you be free up there. And that's how you do a good show. I mean, imagine if you went to a comedy show with five people on it and everyone was trying to be, I want to win this comedy show. It would be fucking so much worse. Have you ever shown up to shows where it looks like that? Like everyone's yeah. trying to win. Oh, yes. Just trying to win. And, and it's, it's like douchey. It's, yeah. <laughs> no one's like making eye contact. I, I mean, I'm not going to mention weird. any names, but I, I watched someone battle recently who I think is very good at it but like it's just like dude you are so screamingly obvious trying to win you are so trying to control this outcome and it Mm. didn't turn out very well that's true that's true i've had i had two not good battles Mm -hmm. i would say well i had one that was good but i lost but i wanted to win so bad and it ruined my delivery no one gives because i was like fuck i want this and no one i had to i had to fail at it Mm -hmm. to really get to a point where it's just like now, I, what I noticed is I would notice battlers getting so excited, people mm-hmm. like you, people like Keith, people like Jay, who jump up and down with joy mm-hmm. when something horrendous but super funny is said about them. Oh, yeah. And because there's just nothing better than that joke that's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you got me in a nutshell. That's, yeah, yeah. You feel known. You feel you, seen. It's you, like taking yeah. your clothes off for just one person but in front of a room. It's very mm-hmm. odd. But um, we can moon over that show forever and ever. Yeah. It's kind of our... It's it's a thing. You drink that Kool Aid and you get mm-hmm. you get into it. But what's been the most insane moment for you in and out of recovery? In and out. Um, I've heard that pooping in a cup story. That's pretty fun. Oh, that was that was that was just, that was just a silly lurk. That's not even. Who hasn't pooped yeah. in a place they shouldn't? Oh, okay. Um, I well, I, sh- I should clarify for your loyal listeners. I remember I was telling a story once when I was really drunk in high school. I would have been like seventeen. My buddy had a girlfriend who I just could not stand. And now, in retrospect, I actually kind of like her and hate my friend, um, my ex-friend. Uh, and we used to just fuck with him. One time we were wasted at a hotel room at, for some wedding, and they were out of the hotel room. And, I, you know, those little, like, little, like, you get a Coke on an yeah. airplane. It was one of those little cups. I just Perfect. said, hey, man, I'm going to poop in one of those cups. <laughs> and I remember, like, I'm, like, squatting on the sink, and I'm just a drunk high school kid. And I remember mid-act of doing it, like, I was struck with terrible clarity and just think, Joe, this is the worst thing you've ever done. <laughs> this is not funny. This is not cheeky or fun. This is horrendous. Were people laughing or were no. they just- <laughs> I mean <laughs> just people being like, well, that's I mean, I, I, mean, we, I mean, we kinda all came to the with a bolt of clarity uh in the moment, but most insane moment in and out. Um I remember when I was drinking, there was a moment when I thought like I was in, I, I was really like okay if I I was really thinking about setting my arm on fire. I was thinking um, I'm gonna pour rubbing alcohol. I was literally going through the thought process. I bet if I 
pour rubbing alcohol in my arm and light it on fire, I bet I could burn it for like five seconds without starting the smoke alarm and getting evicted. Was the point just to feel? Just to feel bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because any feeling is feeling at that point. I mean, I think it's just like, just any, like you'll, you'd prefer pain to what to just, like you prefer pain to being in the moment. You know what I mean? Like anything, any guy. I mean, I think that's what, like, I don't know what, like I never like cut myself growing up or anything, but like, like the idea has popped into my head in sobriety. Like when I've been, Mm -hmm. when I'm really, really off it and really in a terrible time, like I think that's somehow like a safe set. Like that's not fucking key lime pie, you know, but I think it is in my head. And what I think it is, it's just like anything not to feel here now in the world. Because we feel it very intensely. Yeah. It's, it's part of what adds to the, the brilliance. I Mm -hmm. believe that like, I mean, not, you do see something special in a lot of people who use and, um, and then sometimes you see it, like, you know, little dullards are everywhere. Yeah. You know, occasionally you see someone and you just pat them on the head, you know, <laughs> but, but I think that, 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 that extreme feeling mm-hmm. and extreme thinking mm-hmm. is par for the course for what type of people we are. I, uh, I had a friend last night telling me that he, he thinks that addicts are like, like the reason they're so grandiose and the reason things just kind of hurt more and the reason they're like, it's not even that they're more sensitive. Like he didn't describe it as like addicts are more sensitive. It's like they're getting bombarded with more energy than the average. So everything feels bigger, which makes sense to me. Another analogy I like, I think it's all, it's like, it's like we're dialed to a frequency that's not quite the regular frequency of life. Yeah. So there's just drag going everywhere Mm. it's like you've kind of like like i'm mostly in this dimension but i've got some overhang into the next yeah so and it's like it's like it's like you've got most of your body in the car and like the other half (laughs) out the window and you're like hitting (laughs) cactuses and like stop signs and bugs and things and i'd like to say that those things go away but it just gets to a point where you're just like oh that's a cactus yeah (laughs) oops yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) try it again differently guess we're gonna have candy for dinner and call Mm -hmm. our sponsor and cry but like you know that's the those are those moments it's i haven't found perfection on the other side yet yeah and there isn't i don't there's no spiritual finish line perfection's a trap gross isn't it perfection (gasps) sucks nothing can grow when something's perfect have you gone through phases with that yeah stand-up to me feels like a place where like you want like sometimes my brain will be like i want this to be perfect Uh, and it's that's the absence of funny right there (laughs) all last year i spent i spent so much time last year watching comics and I've noticed the one, again, I'm not going to mention any names, but um, there are comics, you know, who never bomb and they suck. Like, I guarantee you can find, I guarantee, like, I mean, just picture a comic who never bombs. Never. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just fill in the blank because it's okay. not in my interest. To, like, it's just my taste yeah. anyway. It's not in my interest to shit on anyone. But, like, picture that comic who never bombs against Bill Burr. I guarantee Bill Burr bombs way more than whoever it is you're picturing. But there's no doubt in your mind that Bill Burr's a better comedian, right? Right. In fact, Some- I saw with my sponsor <laughs> and my sponsee, it was a very fun moment. We all went to the Largo mm-hmm. uh, for one of those Pete Holmes and Friends. And right. I saw Bill Burr bomb for no kidding oh, 20 minutes. I've seen Bill Burr bomb on TV. Yeah. All the time. And I tell you what, the like that... Um, 
that uh, the guy I'm picturing when I think this again, it's not my not in my interest to say who it is, <laughs> but like I know this person to be an addict, and I think it's very, 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 very possible to perform comedy alcoholically. People get addicted to killing. Yeah, you know, like I have to kill, I have to kill, or what? And it's just like you're just gonna stay at that level forever. You're gonna stay. It's like. It's like, oh, I have to feel good. I have to smoke pot to take the edge off. Well, you're just going to stay in that little box and just not deal and not grow. You know, if you're an addict and you're using all the time, you're just taking off regular life and you're not growing. If you're a comic and you're killing all the time, you're not growing. Dude, do you, can you hold me accountable? Sure. Like if I get into that, that rut of like just fucking, okay, now we're going to get a lap. Well, and, and it's tough too because it's like a thing you got to get out of because when you're just first starting... It's hard to get out of that point where it's like when you're starting, you're like, I got to just prove my competence. You know what I mean? It's so hard to feel legit doing this. Yeah. But you do eventually get to a point where you're like, I'm legit whether or not like, you know, like that's sometimes bombing can be like, okay, they just robbed me of my legitimacy. Right. But like you do eventually get to a point, you can get to a point where you're uh, over that and you're like, it's like you said at Santa Ana. It's like, I, I don't care that they didn't love me. It doesn't detract from me. I don't think they loved... Well, I remember there was like one comic had a really great set yeah. that night, but I think that they didn't love anybody. It just, I think it just they were just having matter. a hard time feeling it. Not everyone loves... Like the Largo doesn't love Bill Burr. Like no. who cares? No. Who gives a shit? It yeah. doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Yeah. And that's... I think that's... To get to... I, I want to say more interesting things mm-hmm. than just like, here's some jokes about my vagina. Yeah. You know, but... um an event and it's like yeah you there i gotta be uncomfortable like mm-hmm. i tell myself because uh roast battle will bottleneck my production of material mm-hmm. at this point because right. i'm still such a baby comic i have to throw all my energy yeah. into one thing or another but when i come out on the other side suddenly i can write i've like learned a new skill every mm-hmm. time i do it i learn some new skill and i suddenly can write material yeah. or revisit old material and kind of fix it and bring it back yeah. forward and, um, in those times I always, I try to give myself the freedom to like, tonight I'm going to bomb. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm in a place like, uh, I did a really sleepy open mic today and it was so funny cause, um, the guy who runs the mic gave everybody, I went to Venador mm-hmm. and Stuart ended up giving everybody a pep talk in the middle of the mic that was so sweet. It was just like, Hey guys, I believe we're all going to, you know, we're all going to make it. It's going to yeah. be fine. And don't be so hard on yourselves because a lot of people were uncomfortable mm-hmm. with this like super quiet, sleepy mic. It's like sometimes we have to give our, I give myself the like ability to be like, okay, well, this is what I want to work on today. Mm-hmm. This, These are the new thoughts. And if these new thoughts eat shit, they eat shit. Sure. I had a moment at Anchor Bar one time where I, I thought I had written something so brilliant mm-hmm. and I brought it in three and a half minutes of crickets and I was like guys you wouldn't believe how fucking genius I thought well, this shit and, was <laughs> you know and there's not you can't there's you just you can't trust any given audience that's you true know, one thing that I say too is like because I do this thing where like I give like if I think something negative about a person where I'm like ah, I don't really like that guy and then maybe something like turns around I'm like I maybe get to know them a little better I'm yeah like, oh, they're actually kind of all right like I'll feel so guilty about like, how could you think that about that person? How could you define that person? And I have to stop myself. I go, I don't define anybody. Like something I have to tell myself is like, my thoughts are not that important. They're just not that important. Like I don't, I can't think you into becoming anything. No one can think me into becoming anything. And like, I've got to, my brain just sort of says shit sometimes, but you know, I can't change anyone's identity. Like my, 
you know, I don't, when I think something about someone or something, like I don't even really define them to myself. It's just sort of a thought, you know, right. we think, God, we, I mean, addicts just think our, we just think everything is so fucking important. <laughs> it's so just important not. and so powerful. Yeah. And God, I love that. I love that. Our thoughts aren't that. How much therapy did you do before you got sober? Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> you can tell. Because it took me years. Mm-hmm. And I basically had a sponsor tell me, because I was, I had reached a point with anger. Mm-hmm. I had like eight years right. and I reached a point where I was going to put hands on my boyfriend. Our relationship was going south wow. and we were provoking each other in that mm-hmm. way. And I remember one night he kind of got in my face and mm-hmm. I pushed him and I, cause I grew up with a lot of violence and intimidation. Mm-hmm. I knew that was not good. So I called my sponsor and I said, Hey, I'm behaving in a way that is unbecoming of my recovery. Right. And she basically said, call this free therapy clinic or never call me again. I'm tired of hearing this shit. Right. And, um, yeah, I can't believe it took that long. I'm a big proponent of like that outside help. Some motherfuckers need outside help. Let them get it. Don't get weird about it. You know, I I have to say (laughs) I am, I'm very, very skeptical of psychiatry in general. I totally, my grandmother's a therapist and she's nuts. So. However, <laughs> like, I also think I maybe don't give it enough credit for the fact that, like, I'm not dead. <laughs> you totally. know what I mean? Like, what more do I want out of them? You know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think that skepticism is natural and healthy. And I felt mm-hmm. so bad for my first therapist because I was basically like, I, I don't want to be here. I was forced to do this and fuck you. And, and, uh, she took me through some shit that I really need to get through and, there's um there's a scientist on my list of reading named Thomas Zaz who's just like his whole thing is like anti psychiatry anti move and I'm like sometimes I think therapy at its worst who's on my reading list um sometimes I think therapy at its worst it's like okay I need to clean out my garage uh, let's get someone in here to help clean out this garage and then sometimes they can be like okay I figured out you have exactly twenty two old paint cans you have three old bags of leaves. You have a big old box of nails <laughs> and it's like, I need this shit out of my garage. <laughs> that's exactly it. They're just going, so this is what you showed me. Yeah. Now what? I mean, that's, and this, co- and this costs, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars in years of your life. You know what it's I mean? true. But like, again, I'm like not, I was suicidal and I'm not dead. So exactly. I don't think I give people, I, I don't know. I'm at a weird place with how I take psychiatry and you know, but. Well, I mean, and you don't have to be, you know how I, I My know thoughts are not that important. <laughs> well, no, you know what was so funny is I always approach that whole field with this is not forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was interesting when my, I, I approached my therapist mm-hmm. with like, I want to gain tools mm-hmm. to live my life. I know that some folks can rest in here mm-hmm. and kind of hide out here. I have a program outside of this. Yeah. So what can I do from this? And there was a weird moment where my therapist literally said, I think we're done here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did I just graduate therapy? I didn't that's, even graduate high that's school. A, she should be <laughs> fucking canonized. That is an amazing. I've never She's heard amazing. of a therapist. Right. And, 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 and I think set of some of what that did for me is it unpacked because I was so used to being, mm-hmm. Like I was like, no, I'm the problem. I'm responsible. I make my own decisions. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had to get out of that experience was there was an inherent insanity to, um, what I would do in order to exert control Mm -hmm. over my past, my present and my future is I would make myself perpetually the problem because I can fix me. So I almost became addicted to the, the sort of 12 steppy self-help Right. shenanigans and not that it's great but but I got into this pattern of like 
how can I make myself stronger, faster, better when there were some things where I just needed the therapist to look at me and go, that was completely not your fault. Yeah. You were, and it was so interesting is in the midst of that, I started to be sponsored by, um, by uh, my sponsor now and one of the things she did I was right like mm-hmm. writing an eight step or something and I was like I need to make amends for this and she she goes give me a pen she goes okay I cross it out she goes right I was a child that's not my fault oh wow and so I there's like that yeah like just kind of getting to that point because it really did take years to unpack the difference between even though I had done several four steps it took a minute to really unpack what was mine and what was everyone else's mm. and I, you're so smart and wise and insightful it probably won't take that long because you know just my my denial makes me so dumb mm-hmm. it makes me so 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 dumb so it's so beautiful to like watch you Thank just you. be you and just be like yeah i got some tools bitches i'm coming oh. in here like you're very nice to say that. Mm. And you're very nice to accept that. Yeah, I'm getting very good uh, good at accepting compliments and giving. An Al-Anon friend gave me a ration of shit yesterday because yeah. she complimented me and I looked down and responded. And she said, no, look me in the eye and yeah. take that compliment. And I was like, oh! <laughs> That's something, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is a disease of um, self-centeredness, which kind of, I wish I... I, it would have helped me to realize that that can come in a lot of flavors. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the asshole mooch is as self-centered as the guy who never accepts help. Mm-hmm. It's just manifests itself very differently, but it's the same, you know. Yeah. Like one's vanilla, one's chocolate, but they're both hagen does, so to speak. Love um, it. Yeah. I need some sugar today. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Do you want to get? Do you want to get those cherries? Uh, I'm, I'm all right. Do you need a snack? I can't be. I can't be eating a pitted fruit during <laughs> a, a podcast. podcast. That would be vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh, uh, um, self-centeredness. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot where. I, but anyway. you're fine. This okay. is this is just where we go. This okay. is a very like. This isn't uh, one of the things I was mooning over in your own podcast, mm-hmm. Me Boys Podcast, for those listeners here. You mm-hmm. should check it out. It's amazing. Um, in fact, listen to this and then listen to Mead Boys so you can have a little bit of, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of salty. Yeah, a little. <laughs> Whole lot of salty. A little bit of salty. A little bit of salty for your sweet. No, it's uh. really, um, it's really good. But part of what's so admirable about mm. that is the structure. Yeah. And this is like complete opposite. So I'm going to ask you some questions and then I'm going to ask you more questions on okay. those questions. It's going to be hot. How do you make decisions hot. in your life? Uh, in general? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I or like now, like okay. how has recovery affected your decision making? I, I, I mean, I'm very, 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 very much just try to stay in today. You know what I mean? And it's difficult because sometimes, like, what's the the line between like planning for the future and the line between like making reasonable plans and like living outside of today and having expectations is very, very fine. Mm-hmm. But one thing I just accept is like, well, I'm not going to nail that line all the time. I'm just not. I can't. I'm powerless over the fact that I can't nail that line all the time. So I really do just try to be like, what am I doing today? Like just today, like what am I going to do? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to a meeting. I'm going to go work for a while. I'm going to come home. I'm going to eat food. I'm going to go. I, and I do just try. Like one thing my disease wants to tell me is, you know, I, I, I have to have control over my entire life right now. And I don't. I no. do not 
Like all I, I mean, all I ever have to do is what's on my plate and all I ever have to, all I ever have on my plate is today. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to go do this podcast with Anna. Afterwards, I'm probably going to write a little more and then I'll probably read and go to bed. And that's just about it. And like all life really, all of well, all life or an accomplishment really is, is just a series of well-lived days. You know what I mean? I don't like when I can give all my energy to what I'm actually doing right now, I make that thing better. It's like I'm laying bricks for a wall. I can't build the whole wall at once. I got to be like, get one good brick into place and I got to put all my energy on that. I'm not helping myself or anybody else by trying to build the whole wall at once. It's going to be a shitty wall. Right. And what a gift that you kind of came, you came into this thing Mm -hmm. with a purpose and a goal. Yeah. I think where a lot of people, I certainly struggled with it for years. I think a lot of times one of the struggles in long-term recovery is, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And so you have this incredible focus Thank of you. like, and, and what you were saying that resonated with me after I figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, now I have this thing. And so I can literally only do what's on my plate. Yeah. I can do, I can wake up, I can exercise, I can do a mic, I can do a podcast, right. I can meet with a friend and write some more and like it's the same before it was a little more amorphous i was like oh well i don't know what's yeah. gonna you know i my the my disease is probably best selling point it's its biggest sales pitch that probably works most often is it tries to convince me that i need to have power over things i'm powerless over People, places, and things. Yeah, I need to have power over that. I need to be able to live three days at once. I need to or else what? And I just don't. It's I so just exhausting. don't. Yeah. And I tell you what, like my my con- my <laughs> conception of uh, higher power, what I say, what God is to me is everything that's not me. Literally every force that's beyond me is, because I look, I look at like, God is the totality of all, and I am just kind of, you know, and human beings are just like a little lens floating around that we get to look back at God with. Mm. And um, I stole that from Alan Watts. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> so literally everything outside of me is God. And when my disease, so that means, and I learned this from taking really thorough inventory, uh, every time my disease is like, you need to control this, you need to control this, what my disease is trying to tell me is you need to be more powerful than God. And right. that's a ludicrous fucking statement and when i phrase it like that it's easier to to dispel right that's beautiful and when i'm when i'm trying to make decisions too and i get i'm getting really spun out what what usually what what brings me back down is i'm like okay there's something that i'm powerless over in the situation that i don't accept or realize right and sometimes it's just like as simple as saying i'm powerless over the fact that i don't really know how to do this perfectly i'm powerless over the fact that i can't do today perfectly right Right. Or eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's the thing. What's the thing? I'm, what's the thing I'm powerless over in the situation that I don't get? And then when I find them, I'm like, okay, all right, then I can just kind of go about it. That's amazing. Thanks. What is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself? You mentioned thorough inventory and mm-hmm. man, can I hear it? Thank you. Like what, what's the most surprising thing you found there? Um, I think that I'm way more of like, I would not, I mean, you never, I never would have said like, I drink because I'm afraid, but then again, I don't know anyone who would. Um, I always kind of like, I will tell you like, even um, like those cop shootings that happened today, 
<laughs> like that really ruined my whole day. I was like, I was kind of worried I was going to be able to be like, have it together enough to do this podcast Aww. tonight. Uh, Orlando fucked me up a lot. Um, you know, I haven't, since I've really been into my drinking, I haven't cried about like things in the world very yeah. much. Like I kind of thought I had, ex- I'm like, well, I accept, if you would have asked me, I would have said, well, I accept the fact that I live in a fucked up world and I've made peace with that. Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> I have been tomping down those feelings with booze a lot and, you know. Right. I was just thinking today, like, do I want to, like, feel harmonious with all this fucking sickness? You know, like. I think it's spiritually sound mm-hmm. to to reject the, this, we have a problem yeah. as a society. We have a problem. I, and, and I think it's okay to, we can, we can accept, there's a level of acceptance we can have, but there's certain things we can't accept and we can't accept authority figures that hurt each other or that hurt us. And we can't accept people just, it's, it's, it's rough right now. I, um, everyone needs a hug. I remember (laughs) reading something, um, saying it was no, it's no, the quote is it's no measure of sanity to be well adjusted to a completely sick society. I believe that was said by, but I believe that was said by Voltaire, who is a complete fucking douchebag, <laughs> just a fucking 19th century French Chuck Palahniuk. So fuck him. <laughs> um, like I will say this, like when Orlando happened, the only way I have found a way to make peace with that and kind of like live in that world is where I said like, okay, like it or not, like the hate and fear in Omar Mateen's heart is not is something I'm powerless over. Right. The only hate and fear I have is the power that I have power over is the one that's in my own heart. So the only way to decrease the amount of hate and fear in the world is to decrease the one that's in me. Right. Definitely. You know, and sometimes we get to do that by making gnarly jokes and like being, being the way that we are in the face of those Mm -hmm. things. And that's, that's, I'm glad that you did this today. Thanks. And I'm yeah. sorry the world is fucked up. I have no control over it, yeah. but I I almost don't know how to really... I find myself not... Like, I read it. Mm. I watch it. But it affects me the same way. I get really upset. And so I've kind of been doing this a lot lately. Kind of really yeah. pushing away what's going on. Well, and it's not... It's not okay. And I'll say this. It makes me part of the problem. Another th- Well, see, and I don't even know about that either because I, um, like, okay, uh, this is a disease of our egos being out of control. True. Right. Um, another Alan Watts thing is he said, your ego is like a radar on a ship. Its purpose is to detect threats. So if you live in your ego, you live in a world of threats. Um, mm. The news is very much that too. This is true. You know, it, it, I mean, it. The, the news is a world of threats. Social media is kind of a world of threats in its own way. Yeah. So I just, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know where I'm at with like, where of kind of ignoring the news because it's so easy to get into it and it's just. Like I went through a weird phase back when the yeah. Iraq war stor- started of what, listening to Democracy Now! and crying every day. Yeah. That wasn't good. <laughs> I, it's like, 
I mean, it's a cliche, but like the news is full of disasters because it's entertaining. If like right. the news accurately reflected what like average life on it would be boring because no one's getting blown up. And I'm just like, I don't think there's anything. I don't think you're being ignorant. I don't think you're burying your head in the sand by looking at the news and going, look, I understand these things are happening, but all the same, this, the way this, these people present it, this is not life. Yeah, exactly. Cause I, I think ultimately we need to learn how to have a conversation yeah. and we haven't gotten there mm-hmm. yet. I think it's close. Like have you ever read any of Brene Brown's books, mm-hmm. the power of vulnerability and Darren Grayley and all that. That's her argument is that, um, part of the violence and the um, the polarization in our society, um, and and a lot of the individual problems mm-hmm. that we have as people, is a direct result of internalized guilt and shame. Yeah, but mostly shame. That mm-hmm. guilt is like natural. We have guilt. I feel bad. I did a thing. Shame is I am bad. And so when we get into this place where we want to make people bad because mm-hmm. either we feel bad or a bad thing has happened. Right. And then we start kind of pushing and pulling back in the situation rather than, all right, what led us to this? Mm-hmm. And let's come up with a solution. You know, why isn't everyone wearing a body cam? Why isn't, you know, why, why, why are we, why, honestly, at this point, you and I agree on a thing. Mm-hmm. I've shot guns. I think it's fun as shit. Yeah. I, at this point, I don't know if we're responsible enough to have them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could go on. That's a whole other. That's podcast. a whole other. That's a, that's a whole, <laughs> whole other podcast. podcast. Yeah. But I don't know. I just yeah. yeah. You're right. Thank you for bringing me back into there, the primary purpose of this podcast. There is okay. Um, but even with the two things today, the one in Baton Rouge is just one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen. It's horrendous. However, I just watched the the Minnesota one. Um, that cop who shot him, the f- that video is worth watching. The fucking fear in his voice. I, you can't see him on the film, but you, when he, he says something to the effect of like, I told you not to put your hands up, like the fucking, the what have I done in his voice is like, it's it nearly brought me to tears. Like oh this is God. not a guy who's like, yeah, I'm just doing my job, fuck him. He that really. is a very much like, like it's, it's chilling. I mean, it's in a weird way, it kind of restored my faith in humanity. There's nothing in that guy's voice who said this was okay or like this is justifiable. But I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. Because that's not um, the commentary no. I've witnessed as mm-hmm. nobody said, did you did you hear the instant fear and realization mm-hmm. of what's happening? You know what weirds me out too if I'm going to get a little c- conspiracy on it? Let's like I remember it. after, um, uh, believe, uh, Bal- Freddie Gray in Baltimore. No, mm-hmm. Michael Brown. At, like I remember after, whichever came first, I remember after that happened, CNN had like a big documentary about cop shootings came out like three days later. And I'm like, how long have you been working on this? That's you know what I mean? How did you get this together this well that quickly? So it's like, I don't, there was a weird little intern who did his Mr. Burns dance. Like, I'm ready. (laughs) You know? So it's just like, I don't, I don't think you, again, it just comes back. I don't think you're burying your head in the sand. If you're going, the news is not life. You are not life. Like right. you are, you know what I mean? Like you are reporting on things that happened, but this, like what you're like, it, it's very possible to deceive people with the truth. This is very true. You know? This so I don't really know where I'm at with all that, but like, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. Anyway, 
do you feel like people know you like how what is your your sort of your level of intimacy in the world um do i feel like people know me yeah yeah i do um yeah i don't um I pride myself on being a pretty honest person, usually to my detriment. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty tactful in spite of everything. You're very poised. Thank you. I wish I had just an ounce of your grace. Thanks. Like, it's so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's my one-act play, an ounce of your grace. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do feel like people know me. I mean... You you did mention the word intimacy there, and that is something I have I, I do have issues with. Yeah, well, I um, think that's the byproduct of the fifth step mm-hmm. is intimacy, the ability to. I, I'll tell you what, I'll get this vulnerable on this podcast. Like I have had way less sex than the average gay man. Mm. Um, when I hear people, because I have friends who are sex addicts, when they say, like that they kind of fuck to escape themselves. Like they use sex like a drug. I don't get that at all. Yeah. I do. To me, like being physically intimate with someone is the ultimate, like facing of myself. It's the ultimate, like self acceptance. It's Mm -hmm. very intense for me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I tend to get very, very close with people that like kind of like breach my like 10 levels of security clearance to kind of be intimate with in that way. And same. Yeah, honestly. And that's the, Oh, I don't want to interrupt you mm. if you have more no, to no, say no, on no, that. No. I was literally just having a conversation with somebody about how it was in my, for the bulk of my recovery, mm. I was in like just two relationships because mm. that's my safety zone. It's right. like, you know, serial monogamy. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But part of it is those 10 levels of clearance yeah. and how my lifestyle at this point requires me to be either single or Mm -hmm. with somebody who totally gets what I do. Yeah. And the problem is that I am a human being. Mm -hmm. I am a woman in my thirties and I have needs Mm -hmm. and I had to go through this whole thing, both for fucking, for fucking, I like a little bit sick in my (laughs) life. But that's the thing is like, there was this, and there was this sort of like 12 steppy, um, kind of patriarchal sort of idea of, you know, those women in the meeting that knit and they're very spiritual, mm-hmm. but they're also real horny. Like you can tell they're just sure. like, you know, um, and, and so my both at the urging of both my sponsor and my therapist, they were like, you have to have this other life. Mm-hmm. That's okay right. to have to, to, you know, be safe and don't be addictive about it, right. but you should have your needs met. You're fine. And, um, I was literally just having a discussion with somebody about how there's difficulty in that for me because a, I don't meet people at bars, which is Mm -hmm. where that usually takes place. Um, and B, I have an air of, uh, intimacy about me and that can be very conflicting because it's a mixed message. I'm saying verbally, all I'm looking for is this. We can high five afterwards. I'll Mm -hmm. make you dinner or something if you want. Um, but you gotta go cause I got shit to do. Yeah. Um, but the way I carry myself is like a connect from a connection place. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult for men to kind of right. navigate that. Sure. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I'll- my little thing I have with myself is when I feel confident enough in my sobriety to sponsor someone, that's also at the same time I'm going to feel there's going to be just a spree of free range 
dick good for you going on in J- jd's life but i tell you what i had <laughs> i had a uh, a little a kind of a relationship with a guy last year who really did taught me you know what i'm i'm capable of getting my needs met i'm capable of loving and feeling love mm. and it, it, like that relationship to me was really taught me that was possible another thing I took away is I have changed sponsors recently. Oh, okay. My first guy didn't do anything wrong. He just kind of wasn't. I've had that. I've right. Probably for me. had like four or five sponsors. I in think recovery. ideally you should get a sponsor who understands you. You should also get a sponsor who's like good at what you're bad at. And my mm. sponsor was, you know, great at what I was good at and bad at what I was bad. at, And that's just kind of not helping. Yeah. Um, but what I learned from that was like, okay, you know what? I can let this guy in in a way, um, he was a straight guy and, uh, he, you know, he wasn't quite right for me and I'm okay. You know, yeah. I can be intimate with someone and that's like, this wasn't quite right and I'm, I'm all right and that's yeah. okay. You know, I don't need perfection out of someone. Yeah. yeah. That's also freeing. Mm-hmm. It's like when we decide we don't have to be perfect, other yeah. people don't have to be perfect as well. Mm-hmm. And then we have a bigger life. Right. And that's that's fantastic. Yeah, but you know, we'll get there. I can't yeah. can't wait till you go on that rampage. I I can't wait yeah. to hear the stories. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the uh, how do you deal with fear and anxiety? Um, we kind of touched on that today. About yeah, the- I mean, it's it's again, it's it's like what I said about like, okay, what's the thing that I'm powerless over? There's something I'm powerless over that I don't agree, and it's usually something simple. It's something simple. It's like, okay, I'm powerless over the fact that usually for me it comes down to like I just saying I'm powerless over the fact that I don't really know how to solve this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm powerless over the fact that um, that I don't know what to do. I'm power. Sometimes it's even such a simple as like. Oh, I feel bad. I'm powerless over the fact that I feel bad. Right. It's just like, because that's step one, right? Right. Um, step one is like, you know, it's like the it's like the base of your Jenga tower, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can't really get that deep into my bones, it's just like this thing is just flimsy, you know? Right. Yeah. Are we running out of time? So no. Okay. No, I'm just checking the levels. Excellent. I got like five different things happening in my brain, but Lovely. I'm here present with um, you. Yeah. I've got to say, I've always been pretty good at like dealing with fear. I've always kind of be, been, even when I was drinking, I was good at like char- kind of just charging through it. That's amazing. Um, I mean, I would like drink over it and I, <clears throat> I right. would feel the pain from it. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I would always, I was always good at like kind of going through the motions, even if they were kind of agonizing. Right. You know, fear really like tortured me a lot, but it didn't, I'm really thankful and proud to say it didn't really stop me from a whole lot. I uh, mean, aside from like, aside from like physical relationships with like, aside from like intimacy with people in that way, I mean, I was kind of able to charge ahead, you know. That's that's amazing. I've done like fifteen roast battles. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That'll yeah. that'll make you face your fucking yeah, fear. Yeah, yeah. That is that. I mean, it's again, it's one of those things. I hear so much um, people do it because they were afraid of it, mm-hmm. and that was one of those things. I I think I did it because uh, there was a weird moment. Somebody asked me, "Hey, when are you going to battle?" And Tom and Keith were standing next to me, and Tom mm-hmm. said, "She's too nice to do that." And um. And Keith said, nah, she's got cunt in her. And I was like, all right, we got to, we got to figure this out. So there it is. 
but um well therapist carrie <laughs> i know right mm-hmm. he's kind of he's he's interesting he's one of, my, one of my very best friends in this thing i adore him very fond of keith i know it's um uh, but i think that that for like the sixth and seventh step that defines sort of I find that folks like us just don't deal with fear and anxiety very well. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can plow through it yeah. in most areas of your life is what makes you a superhero. You know, Thank that's you. incredible. That's Thanks. what defects have you, um, that you have to work on the most? Um, I would say, I would say just knowing what's best for everyone is right at the, you know what? Yeah. That's right at the top of my list. Uh, Right at the top of my list. Yeah. I am my, like I'm very, very good at telling it, think it just knowing what everyone should do. Yeah. You know, um, it's that codependency. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm such a snot, snobby asshole about it. Sometimes I'll just be like walking around my day. Like, Oh, why are you eating that? Why you? Why you? Why are you reading that? Why don't you do this? Like just, right. just listen. You know, just listen to me. Let's again, like in the big book. If only all the pieces would stay in the place, the show would be great. And exactly. it's just like they just fucking like. I don't know what's best for people, and even if I, even if I had like notarized, documented, everyone's Joe, you know what's best for everyone. It wouldn't be healthy for me to try to impose it. I know, and I just don't know what's best for everyone. You know what I mean? Like I do, I look at like like judgment and things. I look at like like whatever the like whatever the device in my head that judges is like a cop, and it only has jurisdiction over my own head. And if you're a cop and you go to another state and you start arresting people, that's a fucking crime. So <laughs> that's a little analogy I take to do. You know, you are out of your jurisdiction. Yeah, because it's just it's just another it's just another thing to just set myself up for like oh this person like I, one thing I share a lot that a lot that people are probably tired of hearing from me in meetings is one of my disease's favorite words is the word should. And yes. anytime I say the word should regarding anything that I don't have control over is a fucking problem. That does, yeah. and even if I'm like, but I'm right, but they should do this, but these people shouldn't, uh, you know, these people mm-hmm. shouldn't talk at this movie. That's so obvious. Of course, they shouldn't. Wouldn't like, but it's like the trueness of those shoulds doesn't help anyone but my disease. Right. That serves no one's interest, but God, should but is the like thing that wants to kill me. Yeah. Should is the cavalry going in behind judgment and yep. or going in in front of judgment and yeah. self righteousness mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, depending on where you go with it, just yeah. cruelty and, yeah. you know, and that's another thing I found too, is when people, when life doesn't go my way, usually whatever it is, it's never even like, like people talking in a movie theater. Usually it's not even like they're talking. That's so intolerable. What really drives me nuts is the fact that they are not doing what I want. <laughs> that's what really bothers me. Usually the thing is just fine. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh <laughs> I look at it like it's like getting mad at rattlesnakes. You know what I mean? Like rattlesnakes like they can bite you and they can kill you and they're on hiking trails, but no one's walking around all day going fucking snakes. Why are they <laughs> biting people? What do they do that for? They're such 
dicks. That what are they it. on my hiking trails for? <laughs> That's this not is true. bullshit. <laughs> we know thousands of comics yeah. that that is what they say on the daily. And you they say it on stage and then you get off stage and you're like, oh, I bet they're normal. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, tell, tell, these, tell these fucking hoodie incarnates to write some better <laughs> shit. <laughs> Uh, you're so fantastic if there is anybody who should just be the overlord of the world i will i will vote for you first that we can do that one i I promise to relinquish power when this crisis is over (laughs) (laughs) so funny um what uh what's been your most okay how do you experience forgiveness um hmm Oof, that's a hard one. Uh, there was a time in my life. There, there is a time in my life when I said bullshit. Like I don't believe in apologies. Oh, you know, I love it when people say stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, it's um, so delicious when they're just like, I don't understand why you would forgive them. Some people are just bad. Yeah, like, you uh, know. Yeah, you got a long way to go, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, why did we get it in our head? It's like, well, if you forgive someone, that means you think everything they did was okay, and that's how the world is. Like, no, yeah. that's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness mm-hmm. just means, forgiveness can just be something like, I'm closing this book. I don't give a fuck. It happened, yeah. you know. This person who did this, this person who did this is a flawed, fucked up person. And usually I'm talking about me. I find it hardest to forgive myself for yeah. stuff. I was, I mean, I was telling people today, like I have, you know, my favorite chapter of the book is acceptance is the answer today. And it says until I could accept my alcoholism, I can't stay sober. It doesn't say until I could accept that I drank. It says until I could accept my, my alcoholism. alcoholism. And what does my alcoholism do? My alcoholism freaks out about stuff. Right. You know, right. I had a, you know, I'm coming out of a tizzy that's all about like trying to get my health insurance squared away. And I just get in my head so bad. I'm like, why can't you figure this out? You're such an idiot. You're almost 30 years old. Why can't you figure out this paperwork shit? And I'm like, you know what? Like, I mean, everyone is flawed. And if everyone, if everyone else in the world were perfect and just had all their shit together all the time and I was the only human being in the world who fucked shit up, it would still be okay that I fucked shit up. Right. Because yeah. that's just who I am, you know? Yeah. It's comforting to know that like, yeah, we're all flawed and we all do things I'm like, you know what? If they weren't, it'd still be okay. Yeah. I can't be good at everything. Yeah. You know, and I make tons of mistakes. Yeah. I was laughing the other day. I was like, I called somebody at who I invited to my home for a party. Mm-hmm. I called them by the wrong name very loudly. Yeah. And um, there was this moment where in the past I would have really beat up on myself. Like, oh my God, I would have obsessed over that mm-hmm. and freaked out. Yeah. And then I just flipped it into a little joke in my head. Like, oh, you have shoe polish when you were 13. Like yeah. your brain doesn't function correctly. Right. It's fine. You're going to make yeah. mistakes. Mm-hmm. Come on in, eat the free pork, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> and then when you just accept, and I also like an- another one of my diseases tricks is it's like, you know, when you're talking about making mistakes, I mean big, significant fuck-ups that make people mad. We're not talking about little peripheral things. Yeah. That, like, if, like, if it, like, for fuck's sake, it's, if it's a mistake that doesn't, like, have significant negative effects, like, what are you even talking about? You're yeah. not talking about mistakes at all, if right. that's not what you mean. It's usually, I went through this weird phase where I would apologize to mm-hmm. folks 
in my life for things that I felt were huge faux pas and and they would go, I don't even remember that. That's insane. And then I've had moments, especially in the last year or so with, you know, comedy and kind of balancing everything in my life and sort of the changes in my own recovery where I've had to legitimately sit down with people and go, because comedians in general are big feelers Mm -hmm. and then comedians in sobriety, huge feelers. (laughs) Literally and figuratively. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, and so you have to like, I've had moments where I've been like, yeah, I fucked up Mm -hmm. and, um, however I can make that right. Let me know. I have, um, I have found, um, when I make mistakes, what my, what my line is now is rather than just, I'm sorry, because I kind of hate the phrase, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's uh, like, I'm liking apologies and I'm liking making amends, but like, I'm, uh, what, what I like to, like the other day I told, like I fucked something up and the details of it are not that important, but I just told the guy like, what can I do to make this right? Exactly. And it like hit him. He's like, oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're, I guess we're okay. You know? And I'm like, yeah. I, and like, it's just, and, and, and by the way, I couldn't fix anything. There's nothing really to do other than just right. promise that like, Hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. I fucked up. Right. But like when I, uh, some, it's very easy to just be like, I can kind of do whatever I want. And I like, I don't want the phrase I'm sorry to just be the magic words that make it like, Hey, I did this thing, but I don't want you to be mad at me. So I'm sorry. Well, because the yeah. anger is out of our control. Yep. It's yeah. that's the thing is like once that amends drops, mm-hmm. it's completely out of my hands how yeah. that other person feels mm-hmm. and how the relationship may change or not change yeah. in the future. And so it's just like, well, I do my part and then I sit back and go, okay, God, what now? Yeah. And it's and then, you know and when and there just there just will be people in the world who don't who don't like you. And that's fine. Yeah. It or really, who expect things out of you that are yeah. different. That's, or that are unreasonable. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and it's it's just like, if, if you make a mistake, and I'm like, well, you know what? This person may not like me. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But again, I'm probably magnifying this whole thing way out of proportion. But you know right. what? If they don't, it's like they, that, they still don't define me. Right. If someone thinks I'm a piece of shit, well, you don't fucking... You don't, you don't have the power to write that under my birth certificate, you know? Like, sorry. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's actually... And I, I don't have that against anyone else either. You know? Yeah. That's some feedback I got from a comedian uh, who's... He's not in the program, but he's very wise. Mm-hmm. Um, he said to me... Uh, he asked me about, like, a, a conflict that had occurred mm-hmm. where I made amends, but then I just had to let the person feel how they felt. Yeah. And they very publicly felt shitty. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I said, well, it appears to be fine now. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I love that the less apologetic you become in your life, Mm -hmm. the more, the funnier you get and the more honest you get. Mm -hmm. Cause that's something I, I definitely struggle with the, I'm sorry, please love me syndrome. I'm sorry. Don't reject me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Don't reject me. And it's like, none of that, none of that helps. There was a time (laughs) in my recovery where I thought I was a people pleaser. And I told this to another comic uh, whose name isn't important, but uh, he told me, no, Joe, you are not a people pleaser. You are a guy who just, you are a guy who behaves as though you don't care what other people think and then you expect them to like you anyway. <laughs> and that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I'm just learning how to do that. The thing it's it, people pleasing is this, mm-hmm. my, and the misconception of people pleasing mm-hmm. is I just want everyone to love me and I take care of them. And I, I yeah. try to, you hear it in meetings and you're just mm-hmm. like, nah, girl, here's the deal. Or guy. Yeah. people pleasing is this, it's manipulation and dishonesty. Mm-hmm. It's bending yourself 
into the shape someone wants you to be and resenting them every single fold. Yeah. And none of that is helpful. Mm -hmm. Like none of that works. Yeah. And so when I, and I, I always try to remember that for myself because I definitely, like I used to, I used to say like, especially in relationships, I would just, just fold myself into the envelope of someone else's Mm -hmm. life and disappear Yeah, and then hate them. (laughs) you know and it's like in order to live a life beyond my wildest dreams i can't do that yeah just can't and it's beautiful that you don't you don't exist in that space you know no you're like "Eh." (laughs) it's come with its own well anyway i appreciate that well it's i'm just gonna what oh i'm just gonna take the compliment okay that's what i'm gonna do (laughs) okay i mean i can i can imagine you know sometimes you gotta break a few eggs yeah you know and that's fine but uh what's been your most surprising amends um can be good or bad or both okay most surprising amends again this is it's with a person we both know who's out in the world so i don't want to say their name but um i what i will say is this was a person when i would tell people i own men's of this person people looked at me like what the fuck are you talking about how could you possibly, possibly, and it, like, I agonized over it for a long time, and we got into a fight that was, like, a big, tangly web of bullshit. Yeah. Like, I knew, like, I thought about it so much, and it made me feel so bad, and I kind of, like, I, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I will make an amends to this person if I did something wrong to them. You know what I mean? Like, right. if if I did something to hurt them that was wrong, I will apologize. But I didn't, so I'm not gonna. I've just been harboring a resentment and, and building just, a case against them in my heart and for it's years. Not, yeah, and it wasn't a matter... <laughs> like, I was looking at it like, well, I did this thing to this person, but he did all this stuff to me, and in the theater of my mind, the things he did to me outweigh what I did to him... So therefore I don't, it's not like, it's not like if my scale, first of all, that's just not the reality of the situation. Anyway, that's just how I looked at it. And it was like, you know what? Like what? Okay. Here's what it was. I was like, yes, I did this, but this person behaves like this. Therefore they should be fine with the fact that I did. And there's that word should again. Yeah. There's that word should. Now in my mind, I... If I were this person and I did behave the way they did, I would think it was morally incumbent on me to think this was fine. But I don't get to decide how this person lives. I get to decide how I live. And when I divorced all that, I was like, yeah, I hurt this person's feelings. Yeah. And so I got to go apologize. Right. Yeah. Right. And I and, and it by the way, and if anyone's out there and going through this, if there's a an amends you're iffy on and you don't quite know like, just give it your time. Because if I would have just plowed through and just apologized to this person without really realizing why specifically I was wrong right. and what specifically I needed to make amends to, it would have been a fucking disaster. Oh, yeah. So That's why sponsors exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There have definitely been times where I've had to make amends from a script. Yeah. Like, they say, like, don't drag your feet, but don't rush ahead either. Right. Like, squeeze all the juice you can out of every step until it's dry and then move on. Exactly. Yeah. Some people... Yeah, I, I, some people really plow through and it's because yeah. especially because I, I work at a um, sober living and so mm-hmm. I some, see some people and they're just like blowing through the steps mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's fine. I try not to be in judgment of it. But yeah. then sometimes it's like 
maybe we should marinate on some mm-hmm. of these concepts a little bit well, and grow. And, you know, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Some people, like step one is fucking a five-year ordeal and it just takes what it takes. It took me literally six, seven years to get through all 12 steps. Mm-hmm. I worked the first six like over and over and over again. Yeah. And then... Um, and then I just was like, I want to just finish this. It's it's like, <laughs> it's like we're all like a bunch of random people are like, okay, you all have to build a table. Now, if there's like a carpenter in the mix, he's going to be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If you tell me I have to build a table, I'm going to have to be like, okay, I don't understand wood. I'm going to have to go. <laughs> I'm going to have to go buy tools. I'm going to have to understand how to use them. It might take the carpenter a day. It might take me like eight months, but it it's just it's still going to get built. You just got to build the table, man. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, some people have different skills. Some of these, you know, sometimes these steps they fit into your head. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, you know, definitely. Some, it just takes what it takes. You know, definitely. no one's. You know, I get really spun out when I think like, well, I should be feeling this good by this time in sobriety, and it's just like one. <laughs> says who and what if you don't so what i mean it just it just that's the big i'm just powerless over that over however that's going you know yeah yeah the what if you don't question is Mm -hmm. a huge one because we have expectations yeah the promises sometimes can be such a trap because we're like but i should have all these things Mm -hmm. it's like no we Mm -hmm. ain't no no one owes you shit it gets back to that comedy thing. No one owes me mm-hmm. shit. There's a line in um, there's a line in Anna Karenina where I, the quote is something like, "Godliness is divorced from cause and effect," or something Ooh. like that. There's this really amazing chapter at the end of the book where this dude just he, I mean, he just talks about like going through his life on this farm in Russia, and it's just one of those beautifully written passages ever. And he just talks about how he like feels at one with God and at one with everything. And it's just, it's just a whole chapter long about next right thing. Right. And it's really, I, I think I only brought this up to be like, Hey everybody, I read Tolstoy, <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to, no, I'm going to justify it by saying, you're I thought very it was a valid point. <laughs> very well read. Hey everybody, guess what? Man of the printed words coming through. <laughs> That reminds me of uh, uh, I never say the name correctly because I'm I'm a little bit of a dummy. But uh, a day in the life of I, Ivan Jurjenovich. Did I say that correctly? I I, I don't know. Okay, um, it's the short story that uh, Gulag Archipelago is based off of. Mm-hmm. And that last, you go through this. The beautiful thing about Russian literature is you go through just the total swamp of human existence, mm. the snowy broken just sadness of it all and then right at the end there's this most the most beautiful three pages you'll ever read and it's just like oh there's humanity and there's faith and Mm -hmm. there's hope and that's why these people still exist i i look at it like if i can really really get like ultra dalai lama with these steps like i want to look at it like you know if i push this if i knock this cup to the floor it'll fall to the floor if I can, if I can get to, if I can really, I want to get to a point where I can be like, you know what? I'm going to push this cup and whether it falls to the floor is out of my hands, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want to get that deep into it. And then, and then it floats and then we find out true. you're the one. <laughs> it's kind of true. I didn't make gravity. If gravity shuts off, it ain't falling to the floor anymore. That's know? true. I mean, yeah. uh, I knew a guy who gravity was his higher power. I like that. Yeah. Mm. So he'd be like, oh, a demonstration of something I'm powerless over. He just throws something on the ground. He sounds like a fedora wearing atheist. I'm like, I'm going to not buy any of that 
<laughs> Gravity's mine. <laughs> he was like vegan and had like a lot of tattoos oh, and drove okay. a scooter and you know, it's, it's sounds about right. Time, mm-hmm. You know, feel the burn. Feel the burn. Feel it. Uh, what? Uh, what does recovery look for you, look like for you on a day to day? And you've touched on it a lot. Like you told me today, mm-hmm. you went on a hike. Yeah. Like, is there something spiritual in that? Do you? Um. Yeah, there can be. Um, I look at it like. Plus, it's also as spiritual as all this is. It's very. I also believe it's very, very important to take care of your body. I do try to oh. exercise every day because I feel when I'm getting spun out. Like I, the other day, Anna, I went for a long hike and I beat off twice. And I swear to God, it was like going to five meetings at once. <laughs> you so just, need to get just it out don't neglect. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you got to exercise. The I demons. mean, sometimes you do. I mean, do, I don't know if you know um, Octavia from the Bliss meeting, but one of her favorite sayings is, "Honey, it's all about chocolate and beating off." <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It's like, have I taken care of my, I'm getting, you're not going to get sick, but I'm getting over a cold right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'll do is I'll go so hard to the paint and I won't give myself a break and then I'll get super duper sick. And then my sponsor and I have to have this conversation again about self care being a being a principal. And it's like, this is a spiritual principle and it gets down to, are you getting enough sleep? Have you had enough protein in your life? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. if you had enough chocolate, if you beat off today, you know, like all those things are true. I, uh, pragmatically speaking, I try to go to a meeting every day. I, I I mean, I really do get spun out if I don't, uh, I go to a meeting every day. I try to call someone every day and I journal or inventory every day. And I think journaling is very important because we have such a big swirling bucket of thought. Like we have such a big swirling pot of gunky stew of thoughts Mm -hmm. in our head and sometimes you like you just thinking just just thinking just bad you know just maladaptive not good thoughts in your head all day and then you think like well that's not true it's actually like this and you go oh yeah okay i got it but then it just kind of goes in the pot with all yeah. the gunk and i think the act of writing something down it like it's like it tricks your mind into going no 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 this is not just part of the static this is important yeah. this is important enough to write down can I tell you my last 10 step? My sure. sponsor had me writing every, cause I was really struggling with mm-hmm. like, I'm already an impulsive person right. and I'm out around all these other impulsive people. And I seem to be bumping into people mm-hmm. and causing harm. Right. And so what she had me do is every four hours, write What defects I was in and how I felt. Oh, I like that. The first week I was like, I gotta take a knee. This mm-hmm. is, this is a lot. <laughs> But when but you when helped. you can when you can take a notebook around and just like something starts and just get it on paper, it's like it's like wow, that's a lot of work. Yeah, you know what else is a lot of work? Being pissed off all yeah, day. Yeah, being resentful, mm-hmm. being fearful, being in a high anxiety situation. Yeah. I would find myself like before roast battle or something, like mm-hmm. sitting on that patio, just pull out a notebook out of my purse and just write because right. it's like this has got to we've got to cut this out. That's mm-hmm. that's where we're at. So I totally get it. That soup is just, yeah. you know, sometimes I won't even realize I have a head full of soup because yeah. it'll feel kind of numb and weird. And then mm-hmm. I'll be like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. I woke up crazy today. How yeah. did we get here? Um, how did I get here? What is your relationship with your higher power? Like you talked about that a little bit already. Um, it's, it's pretty intimate. I mean, I mean, I call it God. Um, 
It's a comfortable word. Yeah, there's not, there really isn't a word that's like grandiose enough to describe what it is. Right. It's like what I believe in God is like nothing what I was growing up to believe in within God, but at the same time, there's just no other word. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's a personage. Um, but I do think that like, like forces beyond me brought me into the world. And I, 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 at the very, at the very least, I mean, I do kind of feel like he, it loves me and it wants me to be okay. Cause I think just being at one with it, that's what love is. Yeah. Being at one with something. Um, and I think at its at its least touchy feely, it just wants me to be in it wants me to be in harmony with it. I remember I had a day the other day where I got into like three different arguments with three different people with people I don't like, and this wasn't like oh, this wasn't days. like a dry ass raging. These were like things that need that needed to happen. And normally yeah. I would have just avoided them and drank and been pissed off. But like I had kind of a rough day at work, and I had kind of. And I remember I got into these arguments. At the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I feel great. I feel fine. Boundaries. Well, and it's just like, like I can have conflict with people. There's going to be conflict Mm -hmm. in life. And I can still feel like, I mean, one thing I've probably, I think above anything I've learned in recovery is like life is just way more harmonious than I ever thought it could be. Yeah. You know? There isn't anything we're railing against. Yeah, yeah. One of, and it, this is, I've gotten to see you do this in person. But somebody, I heard somebody say in a meeting that God didn't get us clean so we couldn't step into our greatness. Yeah. And I've got, I've it, the, the miracle of getting to know people like yourself is I get to watch you step into your greatness you. regularly. And it's like, Oh my God, it's one of those, it's such a big shot of gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh man, look at him go. Yes, honey. <laughs> I, I look at God as this person who follows me around and he carries things that are too heavy for me. Anything that I'm, anything that I'm, anything I'm powerless over. If I try to carry that thing, I'll get crushed by it. But God, can hold, but God can hold those things. Mm. Um, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. How do you, what are your favorite ways to give this away? And what ways have you given it away unexpectedly? Um, well, I like to do things like this. I like to do like this podcast. I like to call people. Um, I am kind of an old man at heart. So like, I really do like, I will rail, I will rail against texting like you wouldn't believe. So the fact that I'm in a program where phone calls are, are, are part of the deal, just I, I, do, don't text your sponsors, please. If you're listening to this, don't text them, yeah. call, yeah. even if you get the voicemail, do both, do whatever you have to do. Send up a smoke yeah. signal, but the voice is important. I think so too. Yeah. I, um, I was feeling so alone and just kind of in it today and really not in, in a good space today. And I just decided, you know, I'm back from my hike. I'm going to call two friends I haven't talked to in a while. And I talked to them both for a good long while. And I'm like, this feels so much better than fucking texting. Yeah, it like, does. Texting was invented by the devil to separate human beings from each other and give us the illusion that we're all one. You know? Yeah, it's sort of, it's passing a note. I think at first it was like passing a note in class and yeah. it feels fun and immediate. And then mm. I, like I had to, I had to text somebody texted me the other day and I had to be like, are you making fun of me or yeah. are you being genuine? Mm-hmm. 
And they were like, and, and no, I, I mean say that. that. <laughs> Are you ever sarcastic in a text? I don't think I am. I, I I'm know. A, I, I'm never either, but I always assume everybody is. I know. Yeah. That's And that's the thing is we yeah. can really impose. My ex used to mm. tell me that. He's like, well, you, you just impose what you fear in other people mm. in that communication. And you don't really get that over the phone. You can just hear somebody and be genuine. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Another thing I, I, I'm trying to do, I have a couple friends who... Um, who I believe are uh, um, who I believe are addicts, and I've been trying to get them into the program just because they know I'm sober now, and they've heard from me, and they've called me for help. And I took one to a couple of meetings, and another guy I just talked to, he doesn't live here anymore. He lives well, I'm not gonna say where he lives; it'll give it away. But he, um, I found like when I just kind of tell people what's what, or like why I like the program and what I think it can do, and when they're like, "Oh, I have problems with God," well, that's kind of not. I mean, you, that, that's, that, 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 that's fine. Um, <laughs> It's really, a thing, but it's yeah, not a thing. Just I mean, it really, it me. really is fine. And yeah. I, and you know, I have found like I kind of tell people like, hey, I really think this is great. You can feel better. I tell them like I go into the disease aspect of it. Right. Like, one thing I like to tell one my big analogy for people when people are like, I'm not sure if I'm an alcoholic. Um, I because I because I think like ask like, well, do you drink more than 14 standard drinks? Like, that's fucking <laughs> bullshit. That is useless. That is right. so useless. Right. Like what I ask people is like, okay, do you know the feeling when you, maybe your license is suspended or your registration is out of date and you're driving around and you have that feeling like, I'm going to get found out, I'm going to get found out. Like, do you have that feeling just being alive? God, that's brilliant. Thank you. And I'm like, and if people kind of react to that, I'm like, then you, I would, dollars to donuts, you're an alcoholic. Jesus. Um, God. Put that on a billboard. Thank you. That is yeah. perfect. That is that's amazing. And that's what I kind of like. You're searching for. Like I always feel like I thought I was in L.A. like trying to earn my right to be alive. I yeah. thought like if I get paid regular at the comedy store, I will get some. I'm o, I will get an I'm okay badge. And anytime this demon in my head goes, "You're not okay, Joe," I'm like, "Oh, excuse me. Let me refer you to my paperwork." And it's just you're never gonna get that thing no matter what it is and you keep piling one thing onto another and it doesn't satisfy it, and you pile one thing onto the other and it doesn't satisfy it. Right. And it's just, it's just, I don't, I, I just, that's why I just decided like, I'm not going to play that game anymore. Right. Um, best case scenario out of that is I get everything I think I want. And instead of things that make me happy, it becomes things to actively torture me with. Bingo. That when you're, I mean, if you're an addict and if you're an addict, all the things you love become weapons that, fucking the devil fucks you with <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, sort of like sort of like a game of thrones scenario yeah. or like <laughs> like anything yeah in a peaky blinders or something tell you a really dorky thing too yes i called my disease ramsey for the longest <gasps> time <gasps> that is so perfect i had a dream once in my first 30 days where i was um theon and i remember like and like and i would be getting tortured in these dreams and i remember one time there was this like around like day 15 or something, I had this dream. Like I remember the night before I had a dream where I brought Ramsey a couple, a cup of wine. And then the next day I went to a meeting or something. And then that dream Ramsey like choked to death and died. Whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just beat that in your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's great though. What a beautiful, what a great, that's still a fun dream, a bad dream, Yeah. but very vivid. Mm-hmm. Very good. I, I have, when I have using dreams and they crop up every once in a while, I always take a white chip. I end up at a meeting in the dream. Oh wow! I know. I wish I had a more exciting mm-hmm. consequence. I wish. I, I wish it was more 
more, you know, R.R. Martin based, but it's yeah. usually like I'm at a party and somebody it's usually because I always have similarly I have people in my life that like maybe aren't the best influences sometimes mm -hmm. and they usually crop up in the dream and then I'm like, oh, maybe I need a little distance here, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, I've also found when I meet new people and then I have a dream when they're like we're at a meeting together, I'm like, oh, this is a cool person. Maybe I should, you know, Aww. have them in my life a little more. Oh, mm -hmm. can I say I, I have to thank you because sure. I haven't been consistent with this pot with this podcast at all. Okay. I've let things overwhelm uh, just my time management. And when you were like, I really want to do this, I was cool. like, well, I got to do this. <laughs> well, I remember, um, you had Jason Tebow on and I remember not only the one you had him on, but his David Taylor podcast that really, really helped oh. me out when I was first getting sober. So hopefully this helps someone too. Yeah. Oh, that David Taylor, he, he was like, he's actually the person who, um, told me to start this podcast. He is like, like his podcast is like the gentlest interrogation. Yes. <laughs> he's like, he's what like NPR would look like if the Nazis won the war. <laughs> the man in the high castle yeah. NPR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. I call him the best worst person in the world. Uh, he is. He, he, <laughs> he looks like a vegan Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> You just roast David Taylor yeah. in his absence, which he would, by the way, not take the shit from us at all. Oh, he, uh, he would own us. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I think maybe you have a chance against him, but the best I could do is just yell and be like, leave me alone. Oh, well, you know what? What David just wants is a hug, Anna. That's he, he does. Mm -hmm. I know. And I've learned to just hug him. Yeah. And that is that's that's um, a superpower. I, I will I will try to just hug the unhuggable. Mm -hmm. Like, no, get over here. One of my I'll dreams is like if I, I, I w what I would love to be able to watch David Taylor walk into the comedy store and just be able to yell out, "Hey, everybody, let's give David a hug!" And if I could get like forty people to hug David all at once and just know he's just a agonized by the whole thing, that's that's my ideal. <laughs> Why have we not organized this flash know. mob? This is this is perfect. Yeah, that is oh, that's a, I think probably the most beautiful way to give back in the oh, whole wide I, world. I think so too. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, anything else you want to say? Any, any um, other? I also I'm gonna I'm, I'm not just saying this for the podcast. I'm gonna give you my phone number. Oh, we great. should be talking. Do we I not have your phone number? I don't think. I think I do. We do. Oh shit. Well, this is just terribly interesting podcasting. Right I know, now. right? Do I have Anna's phone number? <laughs> Jesus. You're right. Okay, we should just wrap this up and start <laughs> <Yeah>. chatting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're the best. Love you so much. Thank you I so much for you doing too. this. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye.